Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You know, I listen to Bickley and Murata. Terrific show, by the way. I really enjoy it. Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Dan Bickley. Sports, man. Sports. Vince Murata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Murata. Bigly and Murata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bigly and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Good morning. Welcome, everybody, to what we hope will not be a Shenanigans Wednesday. Right, Vinny? No shenanigans today or tonight. Let's hope. We, Let's, can, o- we uh, can only hope. It is a Wednesday where we are not going to dare talk about the event of which we must not jinx. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that what it is? Is that what we're doing today? We're just going to sit here for four hours and knock, knock, knock on wood. Yeah. Now, so, and we've got a lot to get to today as to uh, our big marquee event tonight at, at Footprint Center in downtown Phoenix. Two things before we get started. Number one, uh, they are allowing football players to wear the number zero. Mm-hmm. Do you like that idea? Yeah, uh, I they did it in college a couple years ago, and it's become coveted. Like players want to wear it because it's right? cool and it's okay. different. And quite honestly, there's a numbers issue in the NFL with rosters being what they are and retired numbers and all the restrictions on different things. Mm-hmm. I I kind of get it. I don't I don't have that big of a problem. Yeah. Wow, I thought you were going to be outraged. <laughs> what are these young whippersnappers running around the gridiron with zeros on their jerseys? They didn't do it when I no, was young. That kind of stuff does bother you though. No, but what numbers uh, for positions and you hear stuff. What the Philadelphia Eagles proposed too? No, they, what? they proposed a zero. They also proposed and they're lobbying for a second alternate helmet. Oh, okay. I don't know why there's any limits on helmets. Yeah, there shouldn't be. They're not going to fit with that. the same. Really? Uh, <laughs> I, item number two, Major League Baseball begins tomorrow. Last night I watched the Diamondbacks play against a guy named Cal Quantrill. Did you watch this? I've never seen a pitcher throw the ball faster, and I was riveted. Riveted. This pace of play is Tom Boswell, great columnist in Washington, D.C. Farad probably knows this guy. He said Major League Baseball is going to be saved by the pitch clock. Wow. And he's a huge authority on baseball. And I'm telling you, I watched the game last night, riveted. Riveted. You never thought, you mean the pace of play was never quicker. Not that he was thrown 120 miles an hour. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. He's no Sid Finch. He was just pace of play. Get on the rubber and throw the ball, young man. But he was going, he was going exaggerated in the opposite direction. Instead of, instead of milking every sight, he would get the ball. Yep, let's go. Boom, boom. And I was like, this is it. This All is hail pitch clock. All yeah, hail pitch. The question is, how much will they go to it? Alec, how much will they enforce it? How much leeway will they give the players? I don't think they're going to give much leeway. Quite honestly, they just had a full month and a yeah. half to get ready yeah. for it. So yeah, 
Yeah. Are are you shopping I, for a Cal Quantrill jersey? No, yeah. no, I, I, I'm not because I, I'm not necessarily, yeah, I wouldn't even pick them out of a, a, a police lineup, but I just, I read the, the mindset. I'm like, yeah. if this is a cultural, sh- a real shift in baseball, man, this is going to be good. And you Never ex- thought I'd see the salvation of Major League Baseball, Vinny. Here's, you were excited before you saw that. Here's yeah. the other thing. With this now a, a rule, all the players coming up, in high school, in college, in the minors, are going to learn to play this way. They yeah. learn to play fast. A lot of them have yeah. already been learning that right. to play that way yeah. because they've been tinkering with this stuff in the minors for a couple of years. It's a central rule of golf. It's okay to suck as long as you do it fast. Start the show, <laughs> Jarrett. <laughs> the splash, splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The splash. Animal, animal coming. The Splash, brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Yeah, here we are again on the morning of Kevin Durant's home debut with the Phoenix Suns. Shams Charania of The Athletic tweeted yesterday morning that tonight is indeed the night it will happen. The Suns officially, uh, officially and currently have Durant listed as questionable for tonight's game. Of course, he missed 10 games after spraining his ankle during a pregame workout three weeks ago at Footprint Center. Suns went four and six in his absence, and they entered tonight's game against the Minnesota Timberwolves at 40 and 35 in fourth place in the Western Conference with seven games left to play. The T-Wolves have won four straight. They're currently seventh, just a half game behind Golden State for sixth, and they are put together as Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns, both probable to play tonight. You can hear the game tonight with Hall of Famer Al McCoy and Tim Kempton, beginning with pregame coverage at 6.30 on the Arizona Sports app at 98.7. Yeah, big game, um, big event, and let's let's hope that at the end of it will be just a nice, tidy victory and no issues with Kevin Durant at all. There you yeah. go. Not much to ask for today. Remember what I was asking for three weeks ago? Let's just get this over with. Mm-hmm. I feel exactly the same way. Let's three just get weeks, this game over later with? later today, yeah. That's funny. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets made it official. Ben Simmons out for the season with a back injury. He appeared in 42 games with the Nets this year, but only four after the roster-altering trade that sent Durant to Phoenix and Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson to Brooklyn back in early February. Simmons averaged a career-low 6.9 points per game. Last week they were saying there's no talk of him not playing, and then a week later he's out for the season. How about it? <laughs> last, Shocking, I say. Last night the NBA, the Grizzlies stayed hot. They beat Orlando 113-108. to Desmond Bain at 31 for Memphis. Charlotte continued playing its spoiler role. 137-134 road win over Oklahoma City. P.J. Washington had 43 points for the Hornets. And Golden State stormed back from a 20-point deficit to beat New Orleans 120-109. to Steph Curry had 39 points, while Draymond Green very much had, I'm going to punch everyone in the face, not just you, Jordan Poole yeah. energy. And he did pick up his 17th technical foul in the win. He was... He was a menace last night. He, um, yeah, he's not far behind Luca. I'm, I'm telling you, if the NBA, if the NBA doesn't look at this and say this offseason we have got to do something about this, yeah. they are they are not watching the same. They're just not watching. Can I differentiate between Luca and Draymond? Mm-hmm. Luca is just annoying. Draymond's dangerous. Danger. Well, yeah. that, there is that. Uh, Dwayne Wade, Dirk Nowitzki, and Coach Greg Popovich among the finalists being elected Ooh, into uh, the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame class of 2023, according to sources. Also, Pau Gasol, Tony Parker, and Becky Hammond, WNBA legend and now coach uh, in the 2023 class. News from the NFL owners' meetings at the Biltmore. Uh, Dan Snyder now has not one, but two 
$6 billion fully funded bids to buy the Washington Commanders. The first came in uh, by a group led by Philadelphia 76ers owner Josh Harris. The second coming Tuesday, and this is the greatest name in the history of sports ownership, Canadian billionaire Steve Apostolopoulos. Bless you. Thank wow. you. He's the founder of Six Ventures Incorporated, a private equity venture fund. Nice to be able to pick between two $6 billion offers. Uh, D-backs close out the spring, and Bick was giddy watching a 3-1 win over the Guardians at Chase Field. D-backs runs came on a bases-loaded walk in the second and two sack flies in the seventh. They had just four hits. Ryan Nelson, the fifth starter, allowed just one run over five and two-thirds innings and struck out five. D-backs opened the 2023 season with a four-game series in L.A., starting... Tomorrow against the Dodgers, Zach Gallen getting his first opening day start of his career in that one against L.A. lefty Julio Arias. Another ASU basketball player in the transfer portal, Austin Nunez, just finished his freshman season. Uh, he is in the portal. He was the number 14 point guard in the class of 2022, mm-hmm. according to 24-7 Sports, so potentially a big loss. He joins DJ Horn, Enoch Boache, and Jemiah Neal as players who have entered. And then we got a little legal action going on, too, Bick. Uh-oh. The city of Phoenix announced uh, yesterday that its aviation department is filing legal action against the city of Tempe for the planned residential development that is part of the whole new entertainment district and the new arena for the Coyotes. Uh, Aviation Services uh, Director Chad Makovsky said in a press release, The Phoenix Aviation Department does not object to a sports arena, restaurant, shops, and other compatible uses related to the proposed Tempe Entertainment District. Today's action is about ensuring Tempe lives up to its commitments to protecting our state's largest economic engine. Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport. Uh, the statement from Tempe Winds called the statement from the uh, Phoenix Aviation Department new heights of hypocrisy. <laughs> yeah, so um, um, a feud has been reignited yes. between Phoenix and Tempe, folks. Buckle up for this because this is uh, this is quite something. For all the collegialness that exists between our sports teams, they always wish each other well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Best of luck yeah. to you. Oh, great job. Yeah, we, we're cheering for you over here. This yeah, is okay. the rivalry no one cares about. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Get it good. together, everyone. Yeah. It's a good way of putting it. I don't. I don't Glendale's mean, not even involved. I know. <laughs> They're the yeah, ones that hit everybody. That. Right. Right. <laughs> They're sitting back with their feet up going, thank God we're out of this room. Yeah, right. Uh, there you go. The road, There's yeah. your splash for Wednesday, March 29th. Coming up next. Yes, it's here again. Deja vu all over again. And Kevin again Durant. and again. Reportedly back to make his uh, debut at Footprint Center tonight. We'll get into it next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bitly and Murata mornings. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. What's the lead for like his left to see for Kevin back on the I don't know, man. It's like you keep asking me the same question differently. <laughs> like I'm in the third grade. Did you clean your room? Do you make sure your room is clean? Is your bed straight? You're asking me the same thing. 
No, it's 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 always the same thing. I mean, is he in a place where he can play uh, against contact? Uh, is the cardio where it needs to be? Is the fatigue level where it needs to be? Where once he gets fatigued, he's not putting himself in harm's way. I think those are the things that are hard to do this time of the year because we just don't have a practice time. And so we, we have, I think every organization is built to have extra bodies so that you can play three on three and four on four, one on one. And so those are things that, you know, we have to make sure we do properly and then evaluate after that's done. And so we'll get to those points and we'll have an update. That is Suns head coach Monty Williams, who I think unofficially but officially sick of answering the Kevin Durant question. Yeah, I think he's sick of talking about it. Yeah, I think he's very much like you. Monty Williams and you are very much aligned at when it comes to the home debut of Kevin Durant. You were aligned two, three weeks ago, and you're aligned today. But I'm also frustrated by the fact that what what transpired yesterday, Shams Charania is arguably the foremost NBA insider. He's got impeccable sources. He gets information from people on the inside. He knows what's going on, and very rarely does he miss. So when he reports, you know, when we get off the air yesterday, tonight's the night. Kevin Durant, after missing 10 games, will make his debut, and then the Suns' official injury report comes out, and it's still questionable. Mm-hmm. And then you get those comments from Monty Williams on whether mm-hmm. or not he can he can withstand the rigors of NBA basketball at this point. Yeah. The whole thing, it's a, a lot of it is a shell game. We get that, and every organization does it. It's it's been exhausting, quite honestly. Oh, it has been, yeah. And and I think, yes, I, I think that if you are, um, if you deduce this properly, I think you could come to a conclusion that Shams might have spoken directly to the horse's mouth. Yes. In this, per, in this case, Kevin Durant, and that the Phoenix Suns, on the other hand, are not going to indulge or hype this event any more than than the bare minimum. Meaning, they're not going to they're not going to commit to him playing until he tells them on game day I'm okay to play Mm -hmm. and that's really what it's going to be and and I think I think they know it I just think that they yeah listen how many we've we've talked about this yesterday they've had we've had many many different celebrations of Kevin Durant the morning we pointed six yeah six of them the morning we woke up and found out Kevin Durant had been traded to us that was an event right the debut press conference was definitely event. Mm-hmm. The first night on a bench in the home arena sitting there was an event. The yes. first game he played was an event. Then that Sunday showdown against Kyrie was an event. I'd agree that the first celebration of Kevin Durant was actually a two-day event. Because we spent that Thursday, the, the morning that that news broke, talking about it. It was all the next day, too, though. Yeah. And then we basically drilled the Super Bowl. We did. That's a very good. Yeah, we that's a great, fully ignored it. That's a great point. Yeah, we we have to remember that too. That he came in and overshadowed the Super Bowl. Yeah, and yet he still hasn't played a home game. And then his <laughs> yeah, then his first was going to be his first home game debut was the other event, and and that was the most unfortunate event of all. So let's hope there's no more unfortunate events, basically. Um, there, are, there are a couple of things, and again, I've said this before, I'll sh- I'm sure I'll say this again. Uh, the, the, the only thing long-term that I'm worried about is, is, if, is if these injuries now um, are going to continue to sort of just always be lurking around mm-hmm. the corner, kind of with what LeBron is going through right now, quite honestly. And, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. And again, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. This is. This should be a day of celebration, and a day of anticipation, and a day of excitement. So I don't want to project too much long term negativity on this. But y- you've got to be worried. You've got to be a little bit 
A little bit of trepidation, I think, is appropriate. I think it's fair to ask those questions. People outside of Phoenix that don't have the same emotional attachment to this story are asking that question. Mm -hmm. And I think it's disingenuous if you're a Suns fan to say, oh, LeBron's breaking down at this point of his career. And then you don't, you know, you don't ask the same questions about Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant is much younger than, well, not much, but he is younger than LeBron. But the point of the matter is this is four or five years younger. Yeah. Yeah, but this is also a guy that's that's built like a thoroughbred, and and he's you know, and it's it's you just wonder how susceptible to injury he's going to be. And then there's that whole thing, and I don't know whether this is a theory, whether this is a a crackpot speaking, but the idea of having two MCL sprains in consecutive years has been described to me as something that's possibly problematic, something that really kind of causes structural foundational damage in a person's lower body. But, okay, whatever. It's but Kevin Durant's got he, he's got the finest medical people in his corner to get him on the court to play basketball games. So yes, let's let's hope for the best with that. Yep, Devin Booker was asked about it at practice yesterday and commented on just uh viewing how hard Kevin Durant's been working in rehab. Uh, I mean, we've been on ro- the road most of the time, you know, so I mean, we were both going through it, you know, post-All-Star, during All-Star, you know, it's just, it's day by day, and all you want to do is hoop, and, you know, injury holding you back isn't the most fun thing, but, you know, it makes it better, it makes you appreciate it more when you're back. And talked about having uh, Durant back on the bench the last few games. I mean, you know he's watching, um, but I always checked in, you know, even when he was in Brooklyn, OKC, you know, if he ever dealt with the injury, I'd tap in and, just make sure he he was straight, make sure his mental is okay. So it's the same thing now that he's here. Uh, obviously, it was nice to have him on the road with us in, in Utah. And, you know, even when he's not on the court, just his presence around, I think, helps everybody and gives everybody a different confidence. Obviously, what we're all looking forward to seeing is Kevin Durant play in a Suns uniform in Footprint Center. That should, again, knock on wood, happen mm-hmm. tonight. But what I really want... Again, when that's all said, I want to hear from Kevin Durant. I want to hear about this process. I want to hear about his reaction to getting hurt in the fashion that he did in a situation where there was so much buildup. There's one thing that is undoubtable about Kevin Durant, and that is that dude loves playing basketball Mm -hmm. more than anything in the world Mm -hmm. to the point where he's a guy who... I can't think of many athletes who have elevated to the status that he has in their respective sports and been able to sidestep the whole leadership question by just saying, I just want to play basketball. And people are like, cool, you don't have to be a leader. Just play basketball. There's not many guys that have reached that. So for him to miss a game or a stretch of games suffering an injury in the fashion yeah. that he did, that yeah. just had to eat at him for three weeks. Right. No, exactly. And so you I, and I would like to know exactly the details of that amount of precaution. Mm-hmm. Is it is it just a concession that these games really don't mean that much in terms of regular season? Is it is it a concession that I I am at the stage in my career where if I, if I'm not exactly if like Kyler Murray if I'm not one hundred percent on the nose can't do it tonight. Look, we said I, it last week, uh, and, and I'm just you know spinning off what you just said. These mm-hmm. games don't mean that much. We're at the point of the regular season and we pinpointed it for the Suns. That game Saturday night against Philadelphia, that was the start of playoff mode. Mm-hmm. And they've got two wins now. They've got a little momentum. If you watch the Golden State New Orleans game last night, those two teams were going at it. Yes, they were. It mattered to them. Mm-hmm. And they're, these teams all around the league are ramping up. And I I think that's you know you know magnified with the Suns because 
they're plugging in probably their best player. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and they've had three games of experience. Right. This is going to be That's such a, a fascinating seven-game experience. That's such a great point because that first game that Ke- that Kevin Durant played was was against Charlotte. Mm-hmm. That's about as benign of as, oppo- as an opponent as you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Tonight's going to they're going to be a different energy on that court tonight. As Minnesota's you know. playing great basketball yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. Still don't believe in them, but they're playing great basketball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, my my the two sides of my brain are trying to reconcile what I'm seeing from that team. <laughs> Coming up next, Jonathan Gannon held court at the NFC Coaches Breakfast yesterday at the uh, Biltmore and touched on a number of subjects. We'll give you some of the highlights next. It's Pickley and Murata mornings live from the Option Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Pickley and Murata mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's been great. I mean, the staff's been great. It's kind of hire the right people, give them the direction, and get out of the way. So um, I like juggling the different avenues of being a head coach, and um, it's uh, it's still honeymoon phase a little bit. I'm not going to lie. You know what I mean? So there's going to be some things that come across the desk that are going to be tough to deal with, but um, it's been good. I'm settled in. Just got to find a house, found a kid's school, and um, we're, uh, we're settling into the to the city nicely. I'm, I'm excited about being here. Jonathan Gannon, the new head coach the Arizona Cardinals yesterday at the uh, NFL owners meetings being held at the Arizona Biltmore. All the coaches hold uh, hold, hold a session around a breakfast table and mm-hmm. the respective media gets there and there he was kind of setting the uh, scene of what his time in Arizona has been but yeah. he covered a lot of ground yesterday. There was you know over a half an hour uh, of, of an exchange with the media yesterday. We played some of the snippets that, that came out early yesterday like this one about uh, you know free agency. The Cardinals have taken some criticism uh, nationally for their pretty passive free agency uh, strategy so far, but uh, Gannon said this. We don't win any games in free agency. I know that. Um, so, yeah, I feel really good about the pieces that we added. We had a very clear vision of why we added them, and um, we know why they know why they're coming here, uh, which is huge to me. They know their role and, and where we're gonna, what we're going to ask them to do and how we're going to ask them to fit in, and um, I'm excited to get to work with those guys. Yeah, what we know right now about the Cardinals players uh, that, that that came back, that did sign in free agency. I kind of equate it to what we went through with ASU football a couple of years ago. And I, I remember making this statement, and I believed it at the time, and it might sound foolish now, but with all the strife that ASU football went through, the players that stayed mm-hmm. and stood by Herm Edwards, you mm-hmm. knew those were players that wanted to be part of the program. I think the Cardinals are in it, you know, it, it's, it's apples to oranges. It's not the same situation that ASU football was in, but they're not exactly at a high point right now. So you know the players that came back, the Will Hernandez's, the Kelvin Beachams, they want to be here. The players that had options in free agency, like Zach Paschal and uh, and others that they've signed, while mm-hmm. not big names, they want to be part of this building. And I think, you know, if you're looking for something to view as a positive, um, as, a, as a building block, as a starting point, I think that's something to go on. And I, it might yeah, be very minor. Yeah, that might be. Yeah, I, th- I think I, that only inspires me a little bit. I, I think the guys who are choosing to come here, I, I don't know if anyone knows what's being built right here at this moment. And, and, to, and to that extent, this is something um, I was reading a, a transcript of Jonathan Gannon's media availability, and he was asked to comment on Colt McCoy and David Blau and, and his confidence level in them as backup quarterbacks going into the season and Jonathan Gannon's response was these guys have been bugging me for a playbook 
And I tell him, you don't need it yet. Just get physically fit. And I stopped in my tracks, and I'm like, this guy warned us that he didn't have a playbook. But when you hear that his backup quarterbacks are asking for one and there still isn't one, it stops you in your tracks a little bit. His backup quarterbacks that, by the way, will be the starting quarterbacks to start the year. Well, exactly. But but again, this is, you know, he famously, famously said, it's in my head. So now you've got to now you got to develop one. Take your head well. to Kinkos. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great line, Jared. <laughs> Do we have to? Know, is Drew Petzing of that belief too? I so, doubt it. I'm, so I'm sure the idea, going to be the one. idea that people are coming here because they want to be part of what's being built. I think the people who have come here have come here because uh, other reasons: the money, the weather, um, maybe not a lot of options. The opportunity, yeah, the opportunity to play, to start, all that kind of stuff. Um, and this is this is not again. I'm, we, I think what we have to do, and what I'm going to do, is you've got to give them some time to to sort of map this thing out and create this thing. Then we can judge. I mean, we can sit here every day and and bemoan and lament the fact that the Cardinals haven't done anything in free agency. To me, where they're at when I look at them with honest, cold, calculating eyes, they are not close. And I think last year bore that out. And they they don't need to be spending money, spending premium money on free agents. What is it going to get you? Yeah. So and so my patience isn't going to last forever. You can believe me on that. But I but I do think that that Michael Bidwell has done the number one thing that I I believed he needed to do. And that was bring in an, an external general manager and sub out the head coach for a much better leader. And I think he's done both those things. Yes. Now, is Jonathan Gannon, is his inexperience going to bite us all and bite him in the back? Who knows? But he's a confident guy. He, he, he wears his confidence a lot different than Cliff Kingsbury did, I'll tell you that much. So if you're a football player, you can feed off that energy that Jonathan Gannon is, is providing. There was none yes. from the other guy. To your point, too, on, on free agency and... and now, Jonathan Gannon said that you don't win games in free agency. You're right. With the way this roster is constructed right now and what they're coming off of, it doesn't make sense to be aggressive. What they need to do is hit home runs in the draft. A lot of them. <laughs> because there yeah. hasn't been a lot of them recently. Here was Jonathan Gannon yesterday morning talking about the Cardinals' draft process to this point. Yeah, that's going to pick up here pretty soon. But um, really from a standpoint of just working with Monty and Dave um, to start right now of you know compiling those lists. Here's what we're thinking. Here's how the board's set right now. These are the things that we have to do leading up for the next month to get it right for the Cardinals. And uh, that's what we're in the process of doing right now. And and uh, it, that's a that's a cool, fun process to me. I like doing that stuff. So um, excited about getting back in the room with those guys and keep chipping away at it. Yeah, we'll see. It's it, it, I mean. It... <laughs> The difference of it makes it refreshing. Mm-hmm. We're coming off of a decade of Steve Kime led drafts, mm-hmm. and you know there were times where there was some success, but recently again, not a lot of home runs in the no. draft process, um, and new eyes, and not a lot of drafting, and not a lot of allocating premium picks to premium positions. That is correct too. And that that's something that's a strategy that I think uh, after a couple of years you realize uh oh this is the, the 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 numbers are not right this roster is not structurally sound yeah I mean going into last year if you looked at the way the contracts were structured on the Cardinals offensive line and I remember having this discussion on the show too it was mm-hmm. 
you were like, oh, this is a no-brainer. Cardinals have to go offensive line with their first-round pick. Now, I didn't expect them to have the fourth pick in the draft <laughs> or the third pick in the draft. Yeah. There is that. So mm-hmm. now, I mean, do you, you 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 can't ignore Will Anderson if he's the player on the on the clock that's available when you're making your pick. But Steve Kime, for a guy who, as a player, was an offensive lineman, just mysteriously neglected the offensive line in the draft. It was a strange strategy and a kind of, you know, part of the reason, a big part of the reason why the Cardinals are in the situation they're in right yeah, now. Yeah, that is true. And so uh, so I think that all fairness, Monty Austin Ford needs time to, to, to prove that he can write this roster and 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 let's hope that he's got the pedigree and the and the and the talent and the eye for talent to pull that off because that's where it all starts. That is exactly where it all starts. Um, by contrast, take a look at, at what's going on in New England right now. For the first time in his enti- since he was head coach in Cleveland, coaching Ron Wolfley, Bill Belichick is feeling some heat. Yes. I mean, some actual smoke, and it's it gets down to the fact that Bill Belichick is great at building building a football roster, everything about it, but he can't build a franchise quarterback. Mm-mm. You have to get one of those, and he has not been able to, and he is not even a winning coach without one. And let's face it, he lucked into one. Yeah, <laughs> so the twenty years exactly. And so, and, and by the way, as a as a as a card carrying member of the Tom Brady hate haters club, I saw some highlights of Tom Brady back when he had Randy Moss. You you, you, re, you realize when you go back and watch just how good he was at one point when he was mm-hmm. standing tall in the pocket and throwing the ball downfield. Yeah. I thought you were going to say you saw the pictures that he posted from his vacation. Did you see those, Dan? I did not. No. Uh, where'd he go? Are, are, is he in his underwear? He's in the bathing suit. Uh, Gronk's uh, tushy's hanging out in a thing. But I'll I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll send Vinny a pic. And, and oh, it. brother. <laughs> <laughs> Why does that not surprise yeah. me? But Belichick's getting heat. Like okay, so but my point is this: so Belichick's getting heat now because he can do everything but create a great quarterback. So if the Cardinals have a great quarterback and Monty Austin Fort knows what he's doing, better days are ahead because we'll have the quarterback when the roster gets whole. Knock on wood. You talk about a knock on wood. Yeah. And I couldn't help but think, what would I wonder what would have happened if you could go back and 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 erase history, man? Wouldn't that be great? If Michael Bidwell, yes. could, yeah, <laughs> if Michael Bidwell could go back and change everything—the contract extension for Kyler Murray and the extensions for Kyman Kingsbury—okay, how would this have all played out? And more so with the quarterback, had he had Kyler Murray, had they just said no, no, yes, what would he have done? Where would we be today? Oh man, where Lamar Jackson? What a, Jackson ta- what is, a you know? tantalizing question it, oh, that is. I know, I know. Very tantalizing. It is coming up next. The uh, Coyotes moved to the Valley in 1996, and nothing's really gone smoothly in that time period. So why should it start now? Uh, we'll get into the latest with the arena flap uh, with the city of Tempe and the city of Phoenix going at it next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
We're right in the middle of our campaign for the Tempe Entertainment District, which is, again, the first privately financed sports and entertainment district in the history of Arizona. It is going to the voters. We became the first developer in the history of Arizona to take uh, such a project to the voters proactively, um, and we put it on the ballot for May 16th. We are in the middle of a campaign, and really what we're trying to do is, is be everywhere in Tempe and share with them the vision of really transforming this landfill into a landmark and paying for it. That is uh, President and CEO of the Arizona Coyotes, Javier Gutierrez. About five weeks ago, joined us in studio as part of uh, Newsmakers Week here on Bickley and Murata Mornings, talking about the excitement about this project. And make no mistake about it, there's still excitement about yeah. the project. But yesterday, a little bit of a snag because the city of Phoenix Aviation Department is filing legal action against the city of Tempe. And basically what it boils down to is the inclusion of residential uh, units in this entertainment district in the flight plan, uh, fl- flight path right. uh, for Sky Harbor uh, Airport, which is part of the city of Phoenix. So that's that's where it all stems from. Well, yeah, and so the city of Phoenix is claiming they're only doing this to protect the biggest revenue generator in the state, Sky Harbor Airport. We've heard this. This has been this has been an on again, off again kind of thing. This happened the last time the Cardinals talked about putting a football stadium in the flight path. Yes, and you remember uh, how it became just a, uh, a just a, a, a political nightmare. Mm-hmm. It, especially when you watch football games at Sun Devil Stadiums and planes would go right over the top of your stadium. You're like, okay, this pretty much looks like we're in a flight path, doesn't it? Vic, I remember walking into Sun Devil Stadium once for a Cardinals game on a Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And there was some, I, I don't even remember what airline it was, but there was some partnership with the Cardinals where uh, you know, they were partnered with an airline. And it was almost like a flyby. There was like a, a, a I like, remember like that. a passenger jet that came stopped me in my tracks as I was walking because I I thought oh no this plane is going to hit the state that's how close it was yeah I, I think yes yes there were a couple of incidents of that so this lawsuit now this is coming right before when uh, Tempe voters were going to be able to vote for this now I believe it was a month long open election I think on April sixteenth ends on May sixteenth mm-hmm. okay. And so everything had been kind of really, I thought, trending in a really good direction for the Coyotes with this arena. Now this issue is going to go before a judge, it sounds like. Um, It contends that Tempe's approval of this deal violates a policy that limits how close housing can be to the airport. It's part of an agreement that dates way back to the early 90s. So people are like, okay, what's this all about? Why are you stepping up and objecting to this now when this is on a landfill? And there are people wondering, is this the city of Phoenix worried about Tempe building something that draws people away from downtown Phoenix? Is Because we do know that even though we are a major league sports town in name, uh, the discretionary income here is not what it is in other major league sports towns. So the competition for sporting dollars, if you will, it's it's very real. And there's a lot of competition. Let's be honest about it. And there's a lot of competition. Mm-hmm. So um, I I think this is most unfortunate because this uh, this is a story that I want to end. I know you want to end. This is a story that has been sort of percolating for what now twenty years. I, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know when the party went out in Glendale. It was long before the Coyotes left, right? Long before. Long before. Like 2009, 2008, 2009 yeah. is when all the real strife started. Yeah. So that's a, yeah, that's about when. So I so this 
This hockey team has been looking for safe harbor ever since, a place to land and a place to call home ever since. I, I am of the belief that this is a good hockey town dealing with a, a, an arena in an untenable location. I, I believe, because I, I've seen it, that if you put a good hockey team in the East Valley, they will draw. And, and I think what we've seen at Mullet Arena, while not fair to extrapolate, um, I think it's a, a little taste of what might happen. And, and I think that given the fact that the Coyotes now are at a point where they've been tanking slash rebuilding, they've got a head coach who everybody seems to rave about. Mm-hmm. They've got a young hockey team that won't quit. Really? We're going to throw flies in ointment now? And so, you know, if you're the Coyotes, you, you, you got to wonder, is this, is, this, is, this, is this dirty politics aimed at getting us out of Arizona? Well, I want to I extrapolate on something you said, too, mm-hmm. because I, I do want there to be, for this long, for the hockey fans of Arizona and for that franchise to finally get a permanent home that is workable and can allow them to thrive, why wouldn't you want that if you, if you, if you root for the Coyotes at all? But you said something, too, about... You know, a good hockey team in the East Valley will work. Well, the Coyotes are somewhat culpable for this, too. If you look at their history, and we're talking about 27 years now in the Valley that this hockey team has been here, how many times have they put a a competitive, good, playoff-caliber team on the ice? Not very often. Not very often. And the year 2012, was it, when they made it to the Western Conference Finals? Mm Mm-hmm. Nobody was complaining about driving to Glendale Nobody. for those games. No. Everybody wanted to be a part of that party. And it was the anomaly because that was the year they won a, a division title. They nearly made it to the Stanley Cup Finals, and everybody wanted to be a part of it. But that has been, so far, the exception. Uh, I think com- more competitive hockey probably would have led to better days in the West Valley. But that's just me. The Coyotes got so relevant in that run to the Western Conference Finals that actually complaining about NHL refs became a thing mm-hmm. by the end of that King series. That's how much we began to care as a, as a region about hockey. We're complaining about the Kings oh. getting preferential treatment Look. and Dustin Brown. Yes. Right? When uh, you can make Shane Doan lose his oh, mind, you know he the ever. officiating was bad. Uh, yeah. Listen, so he, here's the thing. Um, AZ Central has a story on this, and they report that the city City of Phoenix never once objected to the more than 400 apartment units that have been built in Tempe's high noise zone over the previous three, three decades. They even sent a letter of support to Tempe regarding a high noise arena, I'm sorry, area housing development in 2013, asking only the tenants be made aware of the issue. So if they've been um, if they've been in the spirit of cooperation for other projects like this, why object now? So it's it uh, it's yes you know what it, it it makes you it stops you in your tracks and it makes you go it just never ends with this hockey team. No, I, I've said it before. It's like the end of that movie, A Perfect Storm, when Mark Wahlberg's character looks and says, "They're not going to let us out. This storm is not going to let us out. This storm's not stopping." And, and it just <laughs> say, it, "How do you mom for me? Look at the rain." <laughs> <laughs> Breathing really fast. Oh, hey guys, oh. <laughs> what's up? They're not going to let us out of here. That's, <laughs> It's raining. <laughs> um, okay, so I, I yeah, but it's that same feeling. They're not going to let us out, right? And so I because I don't know what what the city of Phoenix would want or why they're doing this. Are you doing it to troll Tempe? I would hope not. Are you doing it because you want some sort of concession from Tempe, some part of the deal? 
or are you doing it because you're afraid that this this entertainment district is going to become the new hot thing? And and if you're upset about that, then where is the spirit of where's the spirit of solidarity in the valley? Yeah. Where's also the spirit of improving the situation in downtown Phoenix for the tenants that are there? Now the Suns took care of it. Yeah. The Diamondbacks right. are very much in a in a in a bad spot stadium wise right now. And coming off the World that's Baseball really, Classic where they got a that's lot a of really criticism. That's a really good point. I, I wonder how much of this is interrelated. That's a really good point because that Diamondbacks, this Chase Field thing is going to be, I'm glad you brought that up. I hadn't even thought of that mm. because Chase Field now is getting destroyed by um, aggregate stories, mm-hmm. polls of worst stadiums in baseball. It's become a thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, so maybe you ask the question. Maybe it is all intertwined. Hmm. We'll see. This is in the uh, infancy stages, but here we go again. Uh, Speaking of here we go again, Kevin Durant making his debut uh, at Footprint Center tonight. That makes it a huge game for the Suns. This is a huge game for both basketball teams on the floor. We'll get into that next. It's Pickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.